What do you want of me? Get off my world. Get off my world. It belongs to me. If you can't handle rejection, then I think you better leave. You can call us fanatics, but the truth is we're hardcore. We love Hi everyone! Hi! Uh, we are Get Off My World, a local podcast. Uh, we are people of a certain age who like the classic Doctor Who series and sometimes find the new one tolerable too. Uh, there are three of us. I'm Pat. I'm Joshua. I'm Kelvin. And our frequent co-host, Ariel Leaf. Yeah. And somebody named Joseph Scrimshaw. Yes! I exist! Oh. Oh, hello. Hello. <laughs> so we're going to take you through five rounds rapid, covering things that we like and sometimes find disappointing about our favorite show. Uh, and because we're not total curmudgeons at heart, we always start our show with something we call temporal grace, which is something that we love about the universe of Doctor Who. Ariel, would you like to start us off? Sure. Uh, you're not going to understand the connection at first, but you'll get there. I went and saw Won't You Be My Neighbor this week. Um, I felt like I really needed it. I felt like things were really harsh and unfriendly and unloving out there, and, and his kindness is just, you know, it's one of the most beautiful things ever. And it led me to what I really love about Doctor Who. I felt it more in the old Who, a little less in the new Who, but that sense of whatever you encounter... You should be kind to it. You should ask it who it is and how they live and th the need for that kindness. Um, and as a kid, uh, it, it taught me sort of how to shape my curiosity about things and to, to respect what I encountered, not as if I was going to a zoo and seeing an exotic creature, but as if I was coming into somebody else's home and that my first job was, was to step back uh, and observe and not make any assumptions and, you know, just you got to be kind, baby. And so that's the thing that I love today is the, the inherent kindness and curiosity of Who. I think there are other things from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood that could be incorporated into Doctor Who. <laughs> he might actually make a pretty good doctor. I think so. <laughs> or at least more cardigans. Um, <laughs> maybe regular visits from a mailman would be kind of nice. <laughs> I get the impression uh, King Friday's castle is somewhat TARDIS-like. <laughs> could he be his own companion oh. with the little tiger hand yeah. puppet? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, but King Friday is totally the master in disguise. Oh. <laughs> that is totally a lousy Anthony Ainley disguise. <laughs> yeah, Daniel Stripe and Tiger is from survival, right? <laughs> <laughs> this could just Smell be a podcast. Smell the blood on the wind. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a little embarrassing because I'm, I'm blanking on it, but there's a, a new Sixth Doctor audio that's coming out and I cannot for the life of me remember the title of it. Iron Bright, maybe, yeah. Uh, time Shock. <laughs> time Quake. <laughs> time well, Cardigan. <laughs> okay, okay. one to six on this dice roll will either be Time Monster, <laughs> Day yeah. Of, and then the other D6 will be something else. But uh, I'm excited for the new uh, Sixth Doctor audio because I think the Sixth Doctor era is best represented by the audios. What was cool about that era is much more 
present and understood and defined in the audio adventures. Well, I am really happy about a Doctor Who encounter I had here at Convergence. Along with Pat, we were on another uh, podcast where the two geeky hosts had really almost no Doctor Who knowledge. (laughs) And it was like traveling back in time 15 years. And I realized I'd forgotten how to explain Doctor Who. (laughs) (laughs) It used to be something you had to do all the time. And suddenly they literally said, what's a Dalek? And I was like, you're a grown man, sir. (laughs) I should not have to explain this to you. It was like having to have have the talk with somebody in front of a room. Have you never seen a (laughs) t-shirt? Well, and on this podcast, you had us read a sketch that we performed on our podcast recently, too, where everyone was playing Daleks. Mm -hmm. So, Philip and Ben, I will name and shame them. (laughs) Just like, exterminate. Exterminate. (laughs) They could have been doing the Daleks in the TV movie, essentially. (laughs) Joseph? Oh, it's my turn. I will piggyback off of what Ariel was saying. I recently, uh, my wife and I finished rewatching Peter Capaldi's whole era in a row to really kind of connect all the dots. And, of course his great speech towards the end about just be kind is really powerful, but to me it's so much more powerful because you get the sense that he has to work at that. Like, if other versions of doctors like, be kind, like, okay, yeah, you're generally kind. Like, no, it's much harder to be kind when you're kind of an <laughs> And you feel like the 12th Doctor in particular would encounter lots of people like, I, I don't really like you. I don't really see your value, so I'll try. <laughs> That's really powerful because it's a little bit more real world. I think it's easy to just say, like, yes, we should treat people with kindness, but it's cool to see a doctor that is a little bit more reflective of the real world of, like, you run into lots of people in situations where kindness is not your first instinct (laughs) at all so that the effort to be kind is truly amazing in the face of something you don't like. For my part, uh, I recently, just a few days ago, got back from spending two and a half weeks in Greece, a completely... Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, people just sitting there like a lump. Like, yeah, people just go to Greece all the time. Anyway, it was a very novel experience for me. I was hanging out with people I don't normally see, and of course, seeing places with majesty and wonder. Uh, But there were a few things from my old life that seemed to keep following me everywhere I went. One is the World Cup, because you can't go anywhere in the world without people talking about it. And the other was apparently Doctor Who. Like, nobody in Greece, as far as I know, knows what Doctor Who is. They know Star Wars or Star Wars stuff all over the place. But little hints of Doctor Who were everywhere. Like, on the map, places like Megara and Spyridon and other names that people from the classic series just took from from Greek place names. In one of our hotels, there was one of those framed sketches in the hallway that looked for the life of me like Carol Ann Ford as Susan. (laughs) And wherever we went, there were these little souvenir ouzos in blue boxes with squares on them that when they're lined up look like a bunch of TARDISes everywhere I went. Oh, my God. Yes. Did you get me one? I did. <laughs> <laughs> he did, but after your reaction to him going to Greece, he's keeping it. <laughs> Darn! Oh, well, how much ouzo is in this little TARDIS? Is it just like an insane amount of ouzo inside? <laughs> I don't, it just it never empties. It never empties. It just will die. When when we had that one podcast where we discussed uh, which alcoholic beverage would probably be paired with which doctor, uh, none of them were, I I paired with Uzo. (laughs) Fourth doctor's the catch-all. If you're not sure who would drink that, you just give it to Tom. (laughs) Tom will drink anything. The the Mikey of doctors. He likes everything. (laughs) 
Round two. Uh, we wanted to have a wide-ranging discussion of both Doctor Who past and future. So for this round, we're opening it up to discuss our ever-changing perspective on Doctor Who of old. It's more conventional on our podcast that we would be discussing a specific Doctor Who episode, by the way, but for purposes of convention stuff, we can't expect the audience to all be familiar with them, and so that's why we just kind of wanted to make something a bit... (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, that and, like, the most natural option for, like, the 20th anniversary of Convergence would be the 20th anniversary Doctor Who story of the Five Doctors. Mm -hmm. But we've already discussed that. We discussed it on our very first episode. As yeah. Fact. Well, time so, to revisit. Let's yeah. talk about the five doctors. All let's right. Just play our first episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's do a podcast with audio commentary. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I remember that. That's when I paused to take a drink of beer. <laughs> oh, I was wrong there. Oh yeah, I was wrong there. <laughs> How many times I was wrong. Who am I? <laughs> uh, in terms of revisiting, have you over the years changed your minds about Five Doctors? Because I remember uh, from uh, our childhood, Joshua, our experience was we kept waiting for it, and it wasn't in the regular rotation of PBS, mm-hmm. so it wasn't until we were, I don't know, a little bit older yeah. that we actually got to see it. And I still was like, oh my, this is amazing. This, And then as soon as I started to meet any other Doctor Who fans, like, yeah. No, you're wrong. It's not amazing. No, it's not the greatest episode structurally or content. You know, the things that make an episode. Performances, Yeah, lighting, uh, props, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I still just always like the big team-ups because no matter what, that gives me like this specific kind of joy and I think it is a good entry point for people who haven't checked out classic Doctor Who to get that idea. Like, there are a bunch of them and they have different personalities. Mm -hmm. It's a classic nerd thing, you know, the big team-up, you know, like, eh, say the Avengers or the Justice League or something. It's like, here's these characters, and they're together. That's yeah. Awesome. Well, Listen I, to that one beloved movie you mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> and the tiny thing is that, you know, as much as I always come to try and love the next Doctor that appears, of course you miss the old Doctors, and so there's something about seeing them together, where you're like, it is still the same person, like, it helps you to remember yeah. that it is really just a continuation of the same being. You haven't lost something. Yeah. And it's, you know, the disappointment is kind of baked into it, too, I think, right? So it's like me- <laughs> meeting old friends from college. It's like the environment is is not the same anymore, so it can't be as, as comfortable as, as it was. As you want it to So, be. You, you know, you have a good time, and you hang out, and then when you're done, you're like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was good. Now let's move on. <laughs> oh, shucks, you have to go home and, and oh. relieve the babysitter. That's disappointing. I'm glad I didn't marry that doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I dodged a bullet. Do you feel like when you meet with your college friends that you went to Greece with, right, Pat? Is that why you're bringing this up? <laughs> as a matter of fact, I did go to Greece with a bunch of friends from college. I, I was saying this more as in kind of a, yes, that's exactly how it is. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel like they are forcing you to see, like, an earlier regeneration of yourself? Is it that you don't want to hang out with them, or is it, like, when you hang out with them, they are making you be John Pertwee again? And you're like, I don't want to be John Pertwee right now. It's more like you develop relationships in the context of a particular environment. Often it's uh, school when you're younger, and when you're removed from that, it, it necessarily takes a certain amount of time to readjust. Yeah. So like seeing Patrick Troughton hang out with the Brigadier again is, oh yeah, that's kind of cool, but it feels wrong somehow because it's not a base under siege and there aren't other, <laughs> you know, it's not in black and white and the storytelling uh, has advanced 
particularly in the first Doctor. Like, seeing the first Doctor in The Five Doctors was a strange experience because it's fifth Doctor-style storytelling, uh, camera work, it's in color, for one thing. And so seeing um, the first Doctor interact in those environments is somehow incorrect. You know, it's, it yeah. doesn't feel the way you remember it. Doesn't Although really I have to say, when the first Doctor appeared recently... What a perfect representation. He was so spot on. I was so uncomfortable at the idea of another actor seeing somebody else do it. Richard Bradley's really He was good. amazing, he was absolutely amazing. amazing. Yeah. That out of context thing you're talking about, I feel that when I see, sometimes when I see any of the doctors from the old series in something else, <laughs> because these days they're casting doctors that have done a whole bunch of other work, so it doesn't feel that strange when you see them somewhere else. But I was watching Sense8, and in the middle of, like, sex orgy, suddenly there's Sylvester McCoy. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing here? I mean, I'm delighted, but what are you doing here? Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't know. Sylvester McCoy was in Sense8 until I watched it and then he shows up and I'm like, you know, the glass kind of slipped out of my hand. I'm like, what? Well, apparently my, my husband did know that and I yeah. did not. So he had been waiting gleefully for that moment. <laughs> because he's my favorite doctor and I literally just did the same thing I did in the movie theater when I saw Lord of the Rings where like I jumped up out of my seat yeah. and then I was like, nobody else is reacting. Why should just... Is he doing like normal seventh doctor things? Is he just like posing with like an umbrella just looking like really thoughtful like hmm, all the sex orgy is happening? <laughs> <laughs> he, he's very much Sylvester McCoy in Sensei. Yeah, it is weird uh, to see the doctors in surprising places. Uh, at uh, Gallifrey One, the convention, uh, David Bradley was there, and I uh, ended up urinating next to him, and it was truly terrifying. <laughs> he's a gentleman, but still, his role on Game of Thrones, it was truly terrifying. I was like, I need to get out of this bathroom now. <laughs> Sometimes I really like seeing doctors in other roles. Recently I saw the film adaptation of Graham Greene's Brighton Rock, which mm-hmm. has William Hartnell uh, in his much younger days playing a, a hard-boiled gangster, which is the kind of role that he was known for, actually, before he was cast on Doctor Who. But there's that cognitive dissonance there. It's like you're seeing the doctor, but it's younger, and he's acting completely different. He's acting with confidence, and he's not messing up his lines. <laughs> uh, and he shows nuance of character. He's not just a one-note person. And so it does remind you that these were human beings who were known for things outside of Doctor Who. Yeah, I think that's fascinating. We were talking again about the first Doctor in the Capaldi swan song. That was really the first Doctor through a lens of nostalgia and, I think, of modern eye combined. While I thought the performance was great, he was far more sexist. He was like Hugh Hefner's grandpa or something like that <laughs> than, than I remember him being in the original series writing-wise. Yeah, there, there was a fascinating just plain old showdown at Gallifrey One when, when Stephen Moffat was uh, doing his Q&A about this exact issue yeah. with the first Doctor of how people remember characters versus what is literally truly there. Mm-hmm. Like in Calvary one they tried to say like this is a celebration of Stephen Moffat. Leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> and no one heeded that. <laughs> and, and somebody was just like, why did you do that to the first doctor? He is my favorite doctor and he is old and curmudgeonly, but he is not blatantly sexist. And Stephen Moffat is like those lines, all of his sexist lines were pulled from episodes where he said that and you might not mm-hmm. remember it that way yeah. and then the person was like, well, don't, you're wrong and Stephen <laughs> was like, I, I ran the show, I, 
looked at the tapes. They looked the real. Like, yeah, and they had just sort of like a little battle of what yeah. is reality, but it was really, really powerful to say, yeah. like, all right, Stephen Moffat wanted to make that point, and mm-hmm. maybe he cherry-picked it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but those are make- comments spread over four years of shows and performances. Yeah. And mm-hmm. done, if you condense them into 20 minutes and put them in different contexts, it creates a different character, whether or not, go, boy, if Stephen Moffat were here, by George. No, <laughs> we would politely discuss it with him and thank him for his contribution to Doctor Who. That's what we do. Yeah. Well, the first doctor is a doctor of his era, you know? And and so attitudes that and phrases that seem just fine in their context at one time, when you revisit them, you're like, oh, no, we shouldn't be saying that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what was so fascinating about this is I don't think anyone would blink at the idea that the show was sexist because of the time that it was made but yeah. their the doctor character, can't be sexist is the characters and I think that's a fascinating thing when you rewatch too of like alright I'm going to accept that these things are going to be here sociopolitically that I don't like that I don't agree with but is it actually emanating from this beloved yeah. character that we all think is a hero in kind? And they're like, oh, did you just say that? <laughs> and not, to, not to get too deep into the textual hermeneutics, but a lot of those lines were directed towards Susan, which is perhaps sexist, but it's also a grandfatherly patronizing thing. And so it reads differently when they're said to Pearl Well, Hattie. you know, I, and, yeah. I, and, I, and I honestly can think of, you know, other moments in Doctor Who that are potentially more problematic. And this, okay, this didn't happen, but there was a plan for a second Doctor story, and it, it got pulled for whatever logistical reason, but they were going to do a story where, like, the second Doctor and Zoe and Jamie go to some female-dominated planet where women ran everything and men were second-class citizens. And it was going to be, like, something where, where Zoe's like, this is great! <laughs> and it was apparently scripted, and it was going to end with the second doctor literally taking Zoe over his knee and spanking her. <laughs> Just from, straight from the I Love Lucy playbook. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, 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 you are wrong. You know, and I, w- I was just like, my God, I'm so glad that didn't get made. <laughs> oh. You're right, though. I mean, I see a lot more sexism coming from Patrick Troughton's doctor, especially in the yeah. kind, of, kind of blokish attitude that yeah. he and Jamie have toward Victoria and then later to Zoe but I don't know that Moffat would have chosen to have made a, a joke about that doctor because Bill Hartnell can be beaten up on in a lot of different yeah. ways so this discussion happened that was- yeah. <laughs> I think it's time to move on to round three and Doctor Who future what does that look like? we've got a new doctor, we've got yeah. Jodie Whittaker the first yeah. woman doctor that we've ever had outside of Joanna Lumley. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious, how is there a general excitement level? Have you guys already covered this on the podcast that you are excited? I mean, because there's obviously uh, Jodie Whittaker, but then there's the the new showrunner as well. I want to know what I'm walking into. Is there hope or is there grumpiness? I would say we are cautiously optimistic. Is that a fair assessment? assessment. I'm very excited about Jodie Whittaker. I am trepidatious about Chris Chibnall. Uh, because he wrote Cyberwoman for Torchwood. <laughs> Everyone has a Cyberwoman in them that comes out. <laughs> Every once in a while. Sometimes okay. it just happens. <laughs> yep. Sometimes you get drunk and write a Cyberwoman. <laughs> it just happens. The thing I'm fascinated with Chibnall is I feel like almost all of his episodes, good, bad, otherwise have this strong theme of family. Mm. In a particular, like traditional British family uh, and that's a lot what is I'm spacing on the name of his uh, murder show Broadchurch Broad I was yeah I was gonna say murder beach that's not right <laughs> Broadchurch yeah, yeah, should have been called murder beach everybody wouldn't have been so surprised Mur- murder beach is in New Jersey <laughs> 
Uh, but Broad Church, <laughs> Broad Church really cares about those family relationships and, and seems to really focus on like what is the heart of being a traditional British family? What does that mean? So I'm really fascinated to see how he is going to bring that into Doctor Who if it is going to be a, a situation where the Doctor is getting involved in the companion's families or my big hope is that since it seems like uh, the Doctor is going to have more companions that it will be like a found family traveling together on the TARDIS. That I'd be excited about, but I feel like mm-hmm. we've already seen the Doctor go visit a family on Earth that's just being a family. Yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping that what it is is that you get that intense sense of family. Like, my biggest complaint with Doctor Who present has been the love stories for multiple, multiple reasons, but I, I would rather get back to them really feeling like a team. And aside from the fact that we've got a woman Doctor and Jodie Whittaker is a tremendous actress Mm -hmm. and we're all looking forward to that are there other hopes for the future Uh, maybe even beyond the next Doctor are there things that Doctor Who has covered a lot Mm -hmm. in its 50 some year history uh, and I was asking myself on the way here are there things that I wish Doctor Who would do more of or do better or that haven't um, they haven't touched on before and the one thing that I came up with was I would hope that the show could be more international I would never want to take away anything from the core Britishness of the show, but we go to plenty of alien planets and we go to England at all points in its history, but rarely do we see any of the globe outside of that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, go to France or whatever on vacation and run around Paris, but even in the first Doctor era, in the first couple of seasons, uh, in Marco Polo, they went to China, and in the Aztecs, they went to South America, and these were kind of school children versions of those cultures but they were more international than we've got in later yeah. years so it's like I'd like to see a Doctor Who story set in modern day Bombay yeah. mm, or yeah. sub-Saharan Africa you know. they do that a bit more in the comics which is not continuity probably but in one of the first of the 12th Doctor comic stories there was a story that involved like future India and certainly that's easier yeah. to do in a comic yeah. because you don't have the budgetary yeah. constrictions right Yeah, I think uh, for immediately, I don't know after this next take, but for me, and I think it's partially going off of 13 Doctor's costume, I really hope that there is a sense of adventure and fun, Mm -hmm. uh, because I feel like I love the 12th Doctor. Right now, absolutely my favorite Doctor, and it makes sense that that would be a point in this character's life where they would really, really examine who am I, what do I want to be doing? What is the point of me? And I feel like the 12th Doctor story is great because he, he kind of came to that. Wasn't even sure if he wanted to continue. I solved the riddle of me. Why should I go on? And then after making that choice, it would make sense to me that the next Doctor is like, ah, this is fun. Oh, yeah. I just want to have fun and adventures and help people. Oh, no, I got a bunch of weirdos living on the TARDIS. I guess I'll help them. Like, I just want to have that sense of, like, brightness and splashy fun. You know, the 12th Doctor wasn't, you know, in, in a sense, was not supposed to happen. Yeah. The 11th Doctor should have been the end of his life. He gets a whole new chance, you know, and, like, processing that would have to be incredibly weird. Yeah. Well, to piggyback off what you were saying a little bit, Joshua, looking forward to that sort of fun and excitement, I would like to see some of the drama get pulled out about the companion's life history and sexual history and whatever. I don't really care about that. I'd like to get back to, like, fun standalone adventures. Yeah. I felt like there was a, a whole period in the new Who where if I hadn't seen five episodes that came before, I couldn't jump in on this episode, and I was going to have to wait 17,000 more episodes for this plot line to get. And I just want more standalone adventure. I just want to be able to jump in whenever I would like. Not that I won't probably watch it all, but but that anybody who wanted to be introduced to Who for the first time could just jump in. And I want to get back to that sense of exploration. 
where am I? What is this? This is new. This is exciting. Um, so. This is a broad generalization, but it seems like with the new series, they either want to do extreme, heart-wrenching melodrama with tears and swelling music, and then if they're going to have a light adventure, it's really light. It's like it something just silly, and there's not a lot of in-between, whereas yeah. that's where I think the classic series, again, in a broad generalization, mm-hmm. lived in this sort of like... Mm-hmm dark and emotional but silly and light all at the same time so if they could combine those instead of segregating them into Mm -hmm. the two styles and it's funny although I completely agree with everything you just said Ariel I also think exactly the opposite (laughs) (laughs) I I think you're absolutely right that it should be as accessible as possible because this is a new thing that they're trying a woman doctor it's people want it to succeed but it's kind of a chancy proposition so they should get as many new viewers as possible and I think the best way to do it is probably with those standalone stories that you're hoping for the epic part of me the epic part of Pat Harrigan the epic I visited Greece part of (laughs) Pat (laughs) Harrigan The Iliadic part of me. Yeah, Yeah, me and Euripides are like that. (laughs) What if the doctor went to Greece? Wouldn't that be amazing? I could show him around. (laughs) Spirit, Don. Yes, we need a sequel to The Myth Makers. (laughs) But I do kind of, well, I would hope for some of those epic stories, um, which Doctor Who has not really ever done. They try to do these story arcs, but even the biggest of the big stories, like Dalek Master Plan, really breaks into smaller stories when you, well, we're hanging out on the set of Zed cars for an episode. Here's the meddling monk for some reason. So I don't know if Doctor Who is even capable of doing like a huge adventure, like a late season Deep Space Nine, a really, really ongoing story. And I'd like to see it, not next season, but at some point in the future, something like that. Yeah, I'd be excited to see interactions and in, in personal drama between the companions and the Doctor that is not uh, any puzzle solving. That isn't just like a hook for, oh, yes, the goo that fell on your shoulders growing into the big bad at the end of this season arc, but just like actual drama. And it seems like that might be something that Chibnall would be interested in. I don't know if it will be executed great, but I'm curious to see if they go in that direction. And they could just blow up Earth at this point, as far as I'm concerned. If, they, <laughs> if the new series never went back to Earth, I would probably be happy. That's probably not going to happen, yeah. is it? Yeah, what I, a, I want more. That's a fairly nihilistic <laughs> approach. <laughs> yeah, they could have the Thanos point of view. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there, there was, uh, for a while, uh, some rumors that the 13th Doctor was going to be strictly terrestrial. It was going to kind of go back to that third Doctor era where, like, the TARDIS is gone or doesn't work or something. Yeah, that's a really hard sell when they're trying to basically reboot the show, right? Like, yeah. It's important to know about this time-traveling box. It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I hope they're not doing that. And, like, the one production image I've seen of the 13th Doctor era is the 13th Doctor next to, like, a 1950s-era car. So it's like, oh, is she going to the 50s? It's Doctor Who? Maybe not. <laughs> it's going to be her new planet. companion is a sentient car. Yeah. A really chic thing. Or, you know, some, it's some planet that just looks like the 50s or something. You know, it's I don't know. going to find out what it's like to be a female doctor in the 50s <laughs> yes. instead of a male doctor in the 50s. Yeah. I created this whole episode in my mind where the doctor was getting chased by an enemy and ran into a room and became a woman. And then the enemy runs in and is like, 
where'd the doctor go? And she's like, yeah, right, yeah, I'm right here. And they're like, where's the doctor? No, really, I'm right, never mind. (laughs) And, you know, I hope they do address those things, but I hope it doesn't become the entire show because it would be unfair. It would handcuff Jodie Whittaker, who doesn't get to then just be a doctor like the male actors get to do. It would be great to see the doctor just oblivious. We get to see as viewers different responses and pick up on it, um, but that she in classic doctor fashion is just oblivious to any differences in being treated. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's a thing that fluctuates with the doctor in the new series quite a bit of, of how cognizant they are of like earth culture and norms like you know you've got David Tennant who like knows to sing Ghostbusters which is always going to be the weirdest thing and then like he regenerates into Matt Smith is like how do relationships in soccer work I don't know <laughs> but I know the theme to Ghostbusters like so in my head I've gotten like this headcanon that when the doctor regenerates like he shuffles uh, around what information yeah. that they access his brain gets scrambled. Yeah, yeah and it's, it, I'm fascinated to see which way they'll go with the 13th Doctor, because if they go a little bit more Matt Smith, Peter Capaldi, you can have a really interesting story of, like, I'm getting information from the outside about what it means that I'm regenerated into a, a woman, but internally I'm still just me. Or if it's going to be, like, I'm hyper-aware of all of this because I, I have this knowledge at my fingertips about all of these cultural norms. It'll probably change from episode to episode. <laughs> <laughs> I admit that was an aspect of the 11th Doctor era that kind of bugged me, was like his complete ignorance of, like, table manners. <laughs> it's like, hi, I, I have traveled for literally a thousand years. I've learned literally nothing about how humans interact. It's like, no, come and on. And this napkin puzzles me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I have to say I would prefer that over the super hip and down with the kids doctor. Yeah. yeah. No. You can tell because I use the phrase super hip and down with the kid. <laughs> well, let me tell what my preference is. <laughs> yeah, I'm coming off as way more down on the 11th Doctor era than I am. I actually, but anyway. Sorry. We understand how important table manners are to you. So. <laughs> he was Salad rude. Fork. He Salad was just so here. rude. Soup spoon over here. <laughs> Round four. We have two final rounds, uh, which we're going to incorporate audience suggestions into. Thank you, audience, for your suggestions. We have them written down right here. Yes. So for our next round... Often when we have guests on the podcast, we like to learn a little bit about who they are, what they do, uh, what their history with Doctor Who is, and uh, so we have a particular segment that we do that in. And now we're going to flip the script a little, we're going to turn the card over, Calvin, and we're going to have the audience ask us questions in a round that we like to call... The Mind Probe. Not the Mind mind Probe. probe. (laughs) Yes, the Mind Probe. (laughs) That's always funnier in our heads. (laughs) (laughs) The audience clearly sees us as a a great uh, source of Doctor Who information because none of this is very personal. That's a relief. I I was hoping someone Um, would ask me about my trip to Greece. But we could make sure we answer these in a really personal and uncomfortable way. I went to the place where they filmed For Your Eyes Only. Ooh. That's too much information. That's really cool. You know, you can talk about your trip to Greece, and our, I'm sure our eye rolls will translate to a, to a podcast very well. That's good radio. Yeah. A inquiring mind asks, what's the deal with the veil yard? Oh, yes. Well, I think we can all answer this definitively. Personally, yeah. Time's weird. You don't know, man. So I've, for people who don't know who the veil yard is, should we... Uh, Out them right here? That's weird. <laughs> Raise your hand if you don't know who the veil yard is. So in, in Colin Baker's final story, Trial of a Time Lord, he was put on trial by a Time Lord called the Valyard. 
and he turned out to be an evil future incarnation of the doctor described as between his 12th and final regeneration. Yes. Is that how, how? Yeah. Which is an unusual phrase now that we've had a 13th doctor <laughs> who, but actually Peter Capaldi was the 13th, but also the 14th. I can't keep I, track anymore. Yeah, right. Because there was the regeneration that happened when David Tennant got his arm chopped off that uh, turned yeah. into a whole other doctor, and that apparently was a real regeneration in terms of how we count them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he got his Subway Club card punched. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll just give you a double stamp today. <laughs> yeah, you're a good customer. Uh, and then there's John Hurt's War Doctor. So maybe the sex toy David Tennant Doctor who goes off to the other uh, parallel universe ages into the Valeyard at some point. Or Peter Capaldi is the Valeyard because <laughs> it was just a whole season we didn't yeah. see. Where he's like, ah, oh, they all just be evil for a little <laughs> Screw around with Colin oh, yeah. Baker. <laughs> <laughs> it's only I, 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 you know, the whole like creative thing of trying to like be beholden to the veil yard. Like, okay, we have to have one season where the doctor is the veil yard. <laughs> <laughs> we get Michael Jason back to. He's still around. Yeah, they yeah. did it in the audios, mm-hmm. and I'm maybe some other nerd out there can help me, but I think they retconned it as a lie that the failure was a creation of the CIA. Yeah, in Unbound series of audio adventures, there's a, a story called He Jests at Scars, which is, what if the Valeyard won? And I've never actually heard it, but it it's apparently... in one boring audio adventure. <laughs> uh, apparently it's really terrible, but it's like literally the darkest thing you could imagine. Like the universe is just wiped. I had the thought that like maybe he could be hypnotized into being the Valiard. Yeah. So he could be the Valiard for a series of episodes mm-hmm. or like mind melted or something. So that like you fulfill the contract to have yeah. the Valiard without him having to be the Valiard for the entire season. Yeah, yeah. and he would have some hypnotic keyword like, like hiatus. The master. He <laughs> <laughs> would turn into the Valiard. <laughs> I interpret between the 12th and final regeneration is just not specific, it's just really hand-wavy. Like they could, yeah. It's between the 12th and, I don't know, the final generation. Whenever we run out of ideas, you shall become yeah, the Valiard. Right. But wasn't the Valiard name-checked in a new series episode? I want to think I, I, I could think be incorrect. Right. A times about, mentioned it. But I think that he, uh, the character is mentioned in particular, like the Doctor has gone by many names and they mm-hmm. rattle off a few and the Valiard was one of them. And mm-hmm. I really like that because it just... You know, I think every once in a while, Doctor Who has to really actively reclaim its sense of mystery. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the times to me that it really did that of like, yeah, there still could be lots of different ways that regenerations work. And there could be more things like the War Doctor yeah. or the Valyard peppered in different places and in different ways. And maybe the Doctor doesn't even know them all or understand them all. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like have, when you're a kid and you have an imaginary friend to blame things on. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. uh, the Valyard did that. <laughs> that was the plan. Yeah. Yes. I do remember that when uh, BBC Books was publishing Past Doctor Adventures, one of the rules for making a submission was don't use the Valyard. <laughs> Just like they weren't going to go there. And nonetheless, they did publish, I think it was a Seventh Doctor novel that did address the whole Valyard thing, but I didn't read it, so it's not much of a story. Sorry, guys. I, um, otherwise, I would have more there's, there's information. <laughs> well, the story is there's a Seventh Doctor book out there I don't own yet. <laughs> I'll find it for you. Yeah. All right, I think we have thoroughly... We Valyarded that. We Valyarded that living. <laughs> uh, we have what is the Doctor's actual name? Oh, that's... Gerald Ford. <laughs> First thing that came to my mind. <laughs> what? And I knew it appealed to California. Uh, of all the people, he loves a Gerald Ford reference. 
I like the idea that that's why he never tells people his name because it'd be just such a huge Awkward. disappointment. <laughs> Depending on their age, you have to explain who Gerald Ford was. Yeah, it's, it's Harold Deedlebaum. Yeah. I feel like it's just something like really long and nerdy and awkward that when he was a child he was just like I don't want that name anymore no and and refuses to give it up because you know he was teased mercilessly in the <laughs> playground for it as a child well every yeah every so often in like you know the Doctor Who novels or something there'll be a a Gallifreyan name that's like you know 18 syllables long or something and it's just what is their naming convention <laughs> and then there'll be like you know a, a, a Time Lord named Goth yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the like, standard rules. It must be long, and the rhythm can't be danced to. Yeah. <laughs> I like the idea that the doctor's just forgotten his name. He's yeah. lived for so long. I mean, I love um, the uh, thing that Peter Capaldi improvised that then Moffat put into Twice Upon a Time. This very romantic version of it that you know you can't really be. I, I'm gonna murder this, but it, you know it can be heard only be understood by children when they're in need. I thought that was uh, creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Say my name, children. <laughs> well, this is why you're a good parent. I know. I... <laughs> yep, I know how not to creep out children. That doesn't make me a good parent. <laughs> uh, all right, well, I'll, I'll re-listen to it and see if it, uh, it's creepy so I don't say it again on the podcast. But I thought it was, I liked the idea that it was, uh, a, it was kind and romantic in getting around anything specific. Well, and I kind of love the idea that you forget it as an adult. Yeah. You know? Like, there's certain things kids just accept when they're children. Right. That become harder. You know, the existence of the Doctor or the TARDIS or the idea that you could travel to other galaxies, you know, and the older we get, the more rigid we get, so we forget. Yeah. He's like, exactly who is the Valyard? Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got time for one more of these questions before we go to our final round. Um... Why hasn't the doctor uh, received his ginger hair, his or her ginger hair? Why is that being um, withheld from him? Do you think there's some subconscious control that... I don't really understand the ginger thing. It's like a real prejudice, right? I hate red-haired people. <laughs> I mean, come on. I assume that you hate those people. <laughs> no, there, there, there has been a weird, uh, you know, social phenomenon of, of like gingers being dumped on really, That's really weirdly, yeah. and I don't understand it on any level. Okay. Well, that like an, an Maybe it just idea. doesn't film well. You know, maybe <laughs> <laughs> the lighting just wouldn't be good. So it's their problem. <laughs> their fault. Yeah. Yeah. I think you <laughs> could just assume that the first Doctor was a ginger at some point before he went white. Yeah. 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 Hey, yeah. We don't know. What the there first doctor looked like when Problem he was a solved. Kid. Done. Yeah. It's not a podcast without one retcon, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I want to see that the young, sexy adventures of Ginger First Doctor. <laughs> Let's move to our fifth and final round, and that is the Death Zone. The Death Zone? Yes. Oh, wait, we're not doing that. Oh, bit. sorry. Sorry. Um, the not pro- the death zone. <laughs> yes, the death zone. Uh, so and what do we do in the death zone, The Josh? death zone is where we throw um, two different Doctor Who characters, concepts, stories, uh, haircuts, <laughs> anything, into the death zone and let them duke it out. And basically we decide who wins who, as a panel. Are we assigning uh, prosecution and defense? No, we're going to just jump in. Okay. Uh, we'll just, prosecution. Yeah, that, that suggests some sense of order or plan. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> these are very uh, concrete. I like them. Yeah, um, yeah. 
Alpha Centauri uh, versus Nor- Nordal. <laughs> In a contest of politeness. <laughs> oh, <it's very> <laughs> well, I think that's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> that's Let's first just enjoy how cute that is. <laughs> I'm going to write that fan fiction right away. Is it just both of them attempting to go through a doorway? And they're both- <laughs> no, you. No, you. No, you. Who can serve a better cup of tea? Yes. <laughs> Who has a more unnerving stare? Yes. <laughs> both bald. That's all I got. But that's a good basis for my fan fiction. Yeah, I feel like Nardal would lose in a battle of politeness. Yeah, I feel like he yeah. attempts to be polite, but I think there's uh, some, some passive anger. aggression no, under he's, that. Yeah. He's got some steel in him. You know, like he, he, he was basically brought on by the 12th Doctor to kind of make sure he kept in line. And Alpha Centauri is a professional diplomat. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. What, that's what it does. Alpha all the way. All hands down. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. I've got Zarbi versus Weirin here. Ooh. The Battle of the Insects, which I really Ooh. like. That sounds terrific. Wow. Now, if it were a dance competition, <laughs> Zarbi all the way. Zarbi would win. But God, now I've got Zarbi with like top hats and canes. Fighting <laughs> <laughs> sexy red haired first doctor. <laughs> uh. But I yeah. think the weird have to win because the Zarbi would be dancing away and then suddenly someone laid eggs in me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Over and that's it. Exploding into the bubble pop thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Never underestimate the power of egg laying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but we could be more polite <laughs> about laying their eggs inside one another. I ended up with Leela versus Missy, and I'm not sure what the versus is. Like, is that in battle? Is that to say which is a better representation of a strong? Female on Doctor Epic Who? Epic rap battle. Epic rap. That would be Missy all the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she would take that. I think uh, Missy would come out rapping and just kill it, and then Lila would just stab her. <laughs> <laughs> From across the room. I think Lila would fundamentally that. misunderstand the competition. <laughs> and so they both win in their own way. Yeah, I mean, they're both very murdery, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I, I, But Lila murders for good, I think, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or at least out of irritation. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good reason. I mean, yeah. she's not boredom. Yeah, we, yeah. we don't Lila's know. an instant murder. Missy is a, like a long-term planning murder. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know. Tactical if versus strategic murder. Yes. Yeah. We don't know how, how uh, a Time Lords react to Jaina's thorns. That's true. You know, like, they, like Time Lords could have like a really bizarre reaction to that toxin <laughs> or something. But I think Missy does have the self-destructive side when she murders herself, so uh, yeah, that might give Leela the other, yeah. other hand. I think Leela would refuse to do the rap. I think she would ask, <laughs> what is rap? And then it'd be explained to her, and she'd be, no. <laughs> she would just be like, I am not a Tesh. <laughs> <laughs> I do not beatbox. <laughs> uh, we have Daleks versus Stairs. Clearly... <laughs> Clearly a from a classic, classic Who fan. Yeah, I like imagining Dallas getting really sick of this joke. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was decades ago. I flew up the yeah. stairs in 1989. Get off my back. <laughs> we fixed this before you were born. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, I like to think that Scarrow was just sort of like a, a planet that was just, you know, the entire terrain was just like Nebraska. <laughs> there was no need to like go over or partial gravity. Yeah. Although I would give a lot to see Daleks in Castrovalva. See Escher stairs. Screw this. This is weird. Let's invade a simpler planet. Real funny, guys. This is why we hate everyone else. 
And now you're going to do some stupid crap like put a hat over my ice chalk. <laughs> you people are dicks. <laughs> uh, I've got Cassandra versus the Adipose. Ooh. <laughs> the little fat thing. Yeah, yeah. That's all skincare. Was, the, was yeah. the, the far future one. Yeah, Zoe Wanamaker's face. The, 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 the skin stretched over yes. thing. Well, that's just a great hookup. They should get together. Yeah. <laughs> you got, yeah. All skin and no fat. Yeah. Fat and no you, skin. you put skin like, and fat together, you got a human being. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a big Reese's peanut butter cup. <laughs> just wrap Cassandra yeah. around them. Yeah. They become the boneless. Yeah. <laughs> you get everyone in in that action. But you got your fat in my face. I got my face in your fat. What? We're a human now. It's entirely possible that there are adipose made out of Cassandra. Because that's what she was doing, right? Oh, that's she was right. thinning herself. Oh, yeah. She may have been the original source. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's see this episode. Let's retcon this. What if that was the first episode of the 13th Doctor's Run? <laughs> oh, Let's go back to these characters. <laughs> it's important that we explain this. <laughs> I think the adipose would win, though. Oh, yeah. There's more Just, of them. There's yeah. more of them. Yeah. They are cuter. Yep. They have hands. <laughs> yeah, you know, you can go around and you can just be like in a parking lot and you'll see a car that has a cute little adipose in in the back. Yeah. You never that see might be a, baby. a Cassandra you know what a baby in the back. Looks like? <laughs> yeah, I know the they in a, in a little uh, seat. Yeah, in the back. The, okay, that's the, a baby. The, the real human. <laughs> no. I thought you were asking me if that's where kids go, and I was like, yes, that's where they go. I know that. <laughs> I, when I, the adipose are pressed up against the window, oh, okay. yearning for freedom. Is that a baby? <laughs> no, that's a that's a dog. Okay. Yes. No, uh, quite How far, far is the window cracked? That'll tell you. Oh, it's not open at all. Okay. No. I'm, I'm I'm quite fine of my Cassandra plushie. Yeah. <laughs> that was my point. My there are no Cassandra totally plushies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have a recorder versus electric guitar. Oh, recorder. I don't like the electric. No? I'm oh. about the electric guitar. I don't know why Capaldi suddenly has to be Bob Dylan. Because he's Capaldi and he can. Yeah, it'd be to prove he can. Yeah, I love the guitar. It, wow. it, I think this goes uh, in a way to what you were saying, Pat, about not losing the Britishness of it, but also not being afraid to stay in like the real constraints of like the Doctor shan't play an electric guitar. <laughs> like, that, it's, it was so great to knock any sense of stuffiness out of it, of like, the Doctor can do lots of different things. It can have different cultural flavors. It doesn't need to stay in this kind of moment of Britishness. Yeah, and Capaldi could pull it off. Yeah. I guess that's a good argument. It felt to me when it, when I first saw it like it was trying to be hip and yeah. be for the kids. I would have felt exactly that if it were any other Doctor. Yeah. Peter yeah. Davison on the electric guitar, I just, no. Yeah, David Tennant would have made it. Oh, I wouldn't because, have been able to deal with that. Because I don't think it was yeah. hip or cool. I think it was totally midlife crisis, oh, you know? Yeah. It was that felt like if your your dad who'd never been a musician like I quit my accounting job and I'm gonna play the electric guitar now like he pulled it off but it still felt like you're working through some stuff <laughs> yeah oh for sure and yeah. the recorder I mean Patrick Troughton just doesn't have the gravitas to pull off a recorder I don't think <laughs> but who does really? Yeah, really eventually we'll have a doctor that plays the sack butters the sack butt the sack butt. Huh? Yeah, it's it's like a medieval trombone. It's, it's a medieval trombone. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> and, and, and its name is composed of the words sack and butt, and therefore, which it's is why you like it. Yeah. 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 yeah, There's always a point in this podcast where we all nod. And, uh, if you just listen, you can't see it. But this, this polite, is one of those polite like, pats oh, on Kelvin's back. Yes, yes, Kelvin. Tell us more. I'll edit it out later. <laughs> How is it played? It's like you blow into it. <laughs> Do you put it under your arm? And, 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 it's you, like you, you put one hand under the armpit and you bring. You know, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what kind of sound does it make? You, you know, kind of, kind of like a like a less good trombone. Party trombone. A less good trombone. <laughs> well, yeah. Calvin, pretend you're blowing in here. We need the sound of a less good trombone. <laughs> sack butt. <laughs> pretend you're blowing into your sack butt and make a noise. I'm just teasing. <laughs> With words. <laughs> I, I live to educate. Uh, I want a noise. I'm not joking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's <laughs> you know, your typical brass instrument conch shell. But thing. it's not made out of brass. It's made out of like a hide or something. That's a good question. I don't Is know it what a, it's actually it made. It can't be a brass sack. <laughs> No, it's not a brass. It, it looks basically just like a trombone, only a little less. Uh, uh, guys, we're gonna need a couple more minutes yeah, to work this out. <laughs> we're really getting down to brass sacks. This is wow. Go back to Greece. <laughs> this is not a. Uh, the name of the podcast is not Get Off My Sack. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're going to top that. Oh, We've right. got minutes to the go. The train guys. has been derailed. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. And if you would uh, like to listen to Get Off My World on a regular basis, you can find us on getoffmyworldpodcast.com or on iTunes or other. No, not really. We don't know anything past that. There's iTunes. something Do called we... Stitcher that I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and, and if you haven't uh, gone to Bandcamp and downloaded the Caves by the Seba team and mm. donated some money to uh, Doctors Without Borders, go ahead and do that. Yes, it's, a great, it's a great album. It really and is. we'd like to thank our guests here today, Ariel and Joseph. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank, thank you, guys. So until next time, I'm Joshua. I'm Kelvin. And I'm Pat. And we're saying, Get off my world! Insert guitar! <laughs> <laughs>